0: So this week, I felt prompted to go and read a portion of uh, of Genesis, from Genesis 18 to 19. And it's a very confronting and challenging story. It's a very sad story, but it is also a very significant picture. You see, three men come over the hill and Abraham sees them and goes and greets them and says, hey guys, this this is my farm. I'd love you to come and have a meal with me. I'd love you to come and share a meal with me. And so the three guys come over and they start a conversation. And Abraham realises that he's talking to the Lord and two of the Lord's angels. And there's a significant conversation. And as they're about to leave, Abraham walks them out and the Lord stays with him while the other two move on. And he says, where are you going now? And the Lord says to Abraham, we're actually going to Sodom. I've heard some really bad stories. I've heard some, some, some really traumatic stories from there. and I'm going to go see for myself what's happening there. And if need be, I'm going to destroy it. Now, Abraham's nephew, Lot, lives in Sodom. And Abraham knows this. And so he says to the Lord, Lord, what if there's 50 people in Sodom? that are righteous, that follow you, that have their hearts right. Will you spare the city? And the Lord says, yep, I'll spare the whole city if there's 50 people. And Moses says, what if there was 40? Would you spare the city? And the Lord says, yep, I'll spare the city. And Moses says, look, it's not my place to ask. What if there was 30? What if there was 20? What if there was 10? And I'm being a bit bold here. What if there was only 10? And the Lord says, if there's only 10 people in the whole city, I will spare the whole city for that 10. So the angels go to Sodom. They meet Lot and he invites them to his house. And they very, very sadly experience what they'd heard about the city. And They say to Lot, you need to get your family out of here. And Lot says, my two daughters are engaged to guys from the city. And they say to Lot, go and tell them, take them with you. So Lot goes to these two fiancés and they laugh. They say, that's not going to happen. I don't believe him. And then requiring a lot of encouragement, The two angels, the next morning, help them escape to the edge of the city, to the gates. And then they say, go up to the hills. And Lot says, hills aren't a safe place. Do you mind if we head over to this small town over there? They say, yep, when you've arrived at the town, we will begin destroying this evil place. They say, but do not look back. Do not look back. Go to the town. Go to where we've we've told you to go. And sadly, on the way there, Lot's wife turns around and looks back. And as she sees the devastation behind her, she turns into a pillar of salt. The next morning, Abraham gets up and goes out and has a look over the valley. And he sees the destruction and the devastation. And he knows there wasn't ten There wasn't 10 in that city. And this this story, I kind of go, God, this just breaks me. This just frustrates me. This just, what's happening here? But it points not only to God's desire for people to be following him, but it points to the fact that there is only one way. We sometimes think we have freedom and we can do whatever we want and it's all okay and we can sometimes get away with it and sometimes not. But this picture paints the reality of what life is actually like. It is a battle and that there is only one answer. There is only one direction that there is hope, that there is purpose, that there is truth. There is only one answer. And It's really sad to have to wrestle with that question, to to actually be confronted with the reality that that there is brokenness, that there is a fallen world that doesn't know the one answer, that doesn't doesn't know who God is and his love and his compassion and his desire for people to experience the one way. In Matthew 13, um, starting in verse 44, Jesus used a couple of illustrations, a couple of parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field and to get the treasure too. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl merchant on the lookout for choice pearls, when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that is thrown into the water and gathers fish of every kind. Where the net is full, they drag it up onto the shore, sit down, sort the good fish into crates and throw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the godly throwing the wicked into the fire, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand, Jesus says. Yes, they said, we do. Then he added, every teacher of religious law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a person who brings out of the storehouse the new teaching as well as the old. There's this sense of desperation. We often... Like, the, like parts of what Jesus teaches, but we don't like it all. There's parts that are actually quite confronting. And one of the things Jesus doesn't water down is the fact that there is not more than one way. There is only one way. There is only one truth. There is only one God and there is one purpose. And, and we don't like to actually wrestle with those things because it actually challenges us on where we're at and what we're committed to, and what we're, what we're desperate for. I was reminded of this uh, last week as I was cutting my lawns. And it was an amazing time of, of God and I just, there's, I'll, I'll bring it up a bit later on again. But I'm out cutting the backyard, and the grass is long. Yeah? <laughs> it, hadn't, it was one of the t- jobs to do before going you know, on the Southern Cross Kids Camp. It never happened. All right? And so I went out there and I'm stu- I got to a bit that was almost knee-high. I'm like pushing the lawnmower and I'm like, maybe I'll, I'll put the mower up to an easier level. And God says, no, that's what you did last time. I'm like, oh, hang on. Because what had happened is last time it was a bit tricky too. So I put it up to an easier level so it was easy to mow. But guess what that produced? long grass. That's right. So it made it harder for me next time. And he was like, you want to make it easier for yourself, but you're actually making it harder for yourself. You've lost, you've lost sight of the perspective of what's right here. And it's just grass. But, but he made it clear that when we function in his leading and his guiding, there's, there's a sense of doing it right not cutting corners, not compromising, not watering it down, not being lazy, not picking and choosing what we like and what we don't like. You do it right. And when you do it right, you go, "Ah, that's how it was meant to be." It tells us in Proverbs 26:6, 22:6, "Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it." Direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not lead it. Now, I'm not picking on parents this morning, but it's a good example of, of, of how we, what we model and what we act because we wrestle with what is the most important things. And sometimes we use our lips to say one thing, but our actions say another. So has everyone heard of it being school night? What does being school night mean? Early to bed. Yep. Why is that? Because it's school night. You've got to be able to concentrate at school. In addition to that, we do uh, things like making sure kids turn up at school. Yeah? Parents, you work pretty hard to get your kids to school. And yet, when it comes to Sundays, oh, if we're out late on a Saturday night, maybe we'll sleep in. Uh, Maybe, you know, as a family, we'll go and do something recreational we're actually modelling something a bit different. We're saying Sundays aren't that significant, but Monday, we've got to get you into bed early on Sunday night for Monday morning school. Now, Jesus says there is only one good teacher. He is the only one good teacher. So if what we're modelling, and as I said, I'm I'm just using it as an example, but if what we're modelling is education is the most important thing, then... The teaching of what Jesus says is the most important teacher that can teach our kids. And I'm not saying that take your kids out of school. That's not the the message. What I am saying is there is only one way. And yes, you do want to educate your kids. And yes, we do want to be educated. But Jesus tells us what that one way is. We tell our kids, go get a part-time job. Go start your education, career, money. It's important. Yeah? Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon. You can't, there's no wrestle here. So go get a job. That's part of being in society, but it's not the most important thing. That's distorted if we think that. We get distracted by by clothes and by iPods and by new cars. And Jesus says, don't store up treasures on earth. Don't worry about everyday life. Seek first his kingdom. There is only one way. We can't be confused about this. Jesus wasn't confused. His teaching wasn't confusing. We talk about being happy and having fun. And, and everything's all right as long as, as long as you're not hurting anyone and you're happy. But Jesus says the gates to the kingdom of God are narrow and the path is difficult. So if we set our kids up to have fun and say everything that's fun is good and everything that's not fun is bad then where are they going to open that gate? That gate's going to be in the, in the bad part of the scenario. And we don't just model this to our kids. We actually do this in our own lives. And I use that as an example because it's tangible and it's much harder to, to t- talk about the thought life in our own journey and the ways that we, we model and, and challenge ourselves and wrestle with this stuff. But it's very clear That if we're Jesus followers, if we're people that follow Jesus, then there is only one way. And it's not a way of oppression and of weighing us down and making us, you know, struggle. It's actually the one right way. It's the good way. It's the way of freedom. It's the way of purpose. It's the way of peace. It's the way of hope. But there is only one way. We cannot be confused about that. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness is God's right way of living, for they shall be satisfied. The second part, of my lawnmower story is I was out the front this was actually before the first part but they fitted different parts um, and I'm mowing the nature strip and I felt the prompting to mow my neighbour's nature strip too now my nature strip as I know here to, the, here to the partition away his nature strip's about four times longer than that hole down the side of the house and I was like, oh, seriously? I haven't even started on the back. And I know how long the grass at the back is. I've got a meeting tonight. I wouldn't mind just stopping before that. It's warm. I'd actually, I think I've got enough to do here. And so I went up to the edge of my part and turned around and started heading back the other way. I was like, okay, I can't preach on this stuff if I'm going to be a hypocrite and not do it. Wrong motive, by the way. <laughs> but this is, I'm being honest, all right? It gets worse. <laughs> so I go, okay. So I start down the first side. And it takes a while to get down the side. Because as I mentioned, it was quite long. And I'm walking down there and I go, what if he employs a mower person? Because I have no idea. I just put them out of a job. All right? Just to stop their income right now. I'm just ruining their income. And I come back up the other side. And I go, what if his daughter's boyfriend mows their lawn for them? I just stop them spending time together. As I turn around and head back the other way. And God just says, don't you trust me? It wasn't out of your capacity to do. It wasn't a hard task. And yet you've spent this whole time resisting and battling This simple little task wasn't even hard. You don't need to know what my plans are. You're just guessing. You're just randomly firing things at my idea of what ifs. And yet it was really simple. Why can't you just do the simple thing I asked you to do? And so often we have this wrestle, this battle, because in society we're presented with 20 options and we choose one. We choose, we pick and choose what we like. And yet God says, you don't pick and choose what I tell you to do. It's, it's everything. It's the whole lot. If I call you to it, if I ask you to do it, then it's good. It's right. It's part of the one way. Be obedient. Trust me. When it comes to the word of God, we have an amazing book that God has spoken to us through. Do you trust it? Do you value it? Do you feed on it? Are you hungry for the truth? Are you hungry for what it is that God's saying to us? But He didn't stop there. He gave us the Holy Spirit. And He said, I will pour out my Spirit on you that you will know which way to go, that you will have power, that you will have purpose and I'll I'll release gifts so that you can do everything I've called you to do. You don't have to carry it on your own. Do you trust the Spirit? That's the one way. The word is the one way. There is no other option. There is no alternative. There is no pick and choose what you like. There is one way. And that's part of it. And the spirit provides direction and power. Power being the ability to outwork what it is that God's asking us to do. We don't have to carry this like a burden. He says his burden's light. So, so and, I know Tanya was challenged earlier this year that that if she's feeling overwhelmed and burdened, something's wrong. That's a point to be hungry, to press in, not to retreat and go, I need to get out of here. It's to go, God, what's your word saying? What's the spirit telling me? What am I missing here? Because I'm I'm clearly not following the one way that you call me to, because I'm feeling heavier than I should right now. So the picture's actually really simple. And Jesus repeats this over and over again. When people are healed, what does he say? Your what's made you well? Your faith has made you well. What does he say to follow him? We need to believe. So our part of the picture is trust. That's all that we bring. All that we bring to the equation is trust. And in our trust, he provides. So we have two options when we're hungry, when we desire to be where God wants us to be, when we, when we see that there's only one way, we only have two options that are healthy. Either we're hungry or we're satisfied. And if we're hungry, we need to hunt. We need to seek God. We need to chase. We need to pursue. We need to, we need to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And if we're satisfied... You need to feast. You need to eat what's been given to you. You need to actually engage with the gifts that God's released in you and, and, and actually experience the goodness that God's got. So either you're hungry and you need to hunt or you're satisfied and you need to feast. But they're the only two options when you're pursuing God's way because there's only one way. I brought a little, little something now these guys don't actually do this before ten thirty, so it's not as exciting as it looks. Anyone know what that is? A happy meal. You might have heard me use this before. I've used it. There's a few guys that have inspired me with this. A happy meal. What goes into a happy meal? Now I realise that there's a range of things that can go into a happy meal of chips, cheeseburger, and toy, and a little. I, we, we get the little apple juice, but you can get a lemonade or something too, can't you? Is that? Junk, junk. Happiness. Good question. Glad you raised it. Do you think a happy meal makes you happy? Very interesting options there. Because who does it make happy? A little kid who doesn't really know what's good for them and is easily entertained by a little thing that breaks in two days and is easily satisfied by a little bit of junk food. Did you know, and I don't know if they're gonna to listen to my recording and sue me for this, but did you know in a Happy Meal, do you know the burger is like literally that big, right? By About that tall. And the little fries, tiny little pack. Did you know that a Happy Meal has um, between 30 to 40% of your daily intake for fat, for sugar, for energy, and for salt? For an adult. <laughs> Yet in terms of nutrition, do you think you're getting a lot? You're thinking, I just need two and a half of them, and I'm done for the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's missing a whole heap. And sadly, when we come to faith, when we come to Sunday mornings, sometimes we can look for a happy meal. We come in and we go, I'll say hello to a couple of people, I'll sing a few songs to focus on God, I'll hear a bit of a word and then I'll leave. It's like a happy meal. It's not what it's about. It's consuming a quick fix that just ticks a few boxes, appeases a little bit of a wrestle that's going on inside and we move on. And it's not what we're meant to be doing when we gather here. And it's not what we're meant to be doing in our walk either. We're not about ticking boxes. We're not about going through the motions. We're not about just appeasing a restlessness in in ourselves. We actually have one way. We have one person that we follow. That's not me. That's not navigators. That's Christ. And so we need to eagerly pursue that, whether we're hungry or feasting. And when we gather here in this place, You're either hungry or you're feasting. So if you're hungry, then you come here eagerly desire. I'm just using this as an example. Tomorrow morning, it's no different. You eagerly desire what it is that that one way looks like, what it is God's asking us to wrestle with, what it is that we want to receive from His Word. And if you're feasting, then you've got something to offer because He's given you something to share. And this space is actually more about giving than receiving. Sounds familiar? Someone mentioned that once. It's better to give than to receive. So it's not about receiving a happy meal. It's about what we have to offer from what God's given us. And we bring it together as a sacrifice of worship. So one person brings a word. Another brings a scripture. And another brings a prophecy. And another brings a song of praise. Again, does this sound familiar? I've heard this somewhere before. It's what the New New Testament church did. Everybody gathered together and brought something to offer because they wanted to go the one way and they were either hungry or they were feasting. This is not getting anything that we need. And going through the motions and ticking a box going, I got a burger and I got some chips and I got a drink and a little toy is selling the one way short. And when I look at that picture, that sad, sad picture of what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, I go, this is important. This is significant. There's a world that's hurting. There's people in the church that are hurting because they're not feasting or they're not, they're not, um, what was the other one? I got it around the wrong way, didn't I? No, they're not not, um, hunting or they're not feasting. If that's not your agenda, then it's going to be deflating. You're going to feel like you've been sold a lie and you're going to fall short because Jesus says, there is only one way. In Luke 21, 1-4, we hear a story of where Jesus looked at the widow and there were people that were putting lots of money in the, in the um, offering and looking pretty impressive about it. And this widow comes up. Now, society-wise, a widow was down the bottom. No income, no opportunity to earn an income. She wasn't in a good way in society. And her two copper coins, Jesus said, were way much more significant in offering so the other lie is I've got nothing to offer. There's nothing God's given me. I'm just, I'm just me. And it's a lie. Those two coins were so much more significant than anything the others gave. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17, we are together a temple of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean to be a temple of the Holy Spirit? Collectively. So when the, often, <laughs> I remember reading this, um, that when, when the Bible says you in the Greek, there's, there's singular and p- p- plural. And often it's yous. So it's, it's you, plural. So you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So we're not individualistically a temple of the Holy Spirit. We dwell, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. But we are a temple of the Holy Spirit together. What does that mean when we gather together? It was interesting because... Jesus, at one point, said some things that people didn't like to hear. And a number of his disciples left him, Number number of his followers left him. John 6? Yeah, John 6, right at the end. And, um, and he turns to his 12 and says, so are you are going to leave me too? Does anyone know what Peter's response was? Where else would we go? You hold the truth, the eternal, you, you hold eternal life in your hands. Where else would we go? And there's this thing in me that just wells up and says, I can't do mediocre. That's not fair. That's not fair for me. That's not fair for God. That's not fair for you guys. And I believe God's calling us and challenging us and saying, you know what I'm capable of. You know what I can do. You know my truth. You've heard message after message of what it is that I do and how I operate. And yet, there's times where you settle for a happy meal. I believe God's challenged me to lead strong, but He's also challenged me to follow strong. Because in the same way that it says, "It's you know," some say they follow Paul, and some say they follow Apollos. We follow Christ. And so, this year, the challenge is for our ministries, for those that call Callist home, for those that of Christ followers, to follow strong, to not compromise, to not water down, to wrestle with things, to be either hungry or feasting. We don't want to compromise the truth. We don't want to compromise what it is the Holy Spirit's doing. Often at the end of messages and things, we have an opportunity to respond, an opportunity to stand up and get prayed for or come to the front or to the side. But I haven't really given any room for that because there'll be those that stand up and say, I want to respond. And so we can pray for those people. But then there'll be those that sit down, stay seated. Do they not need prayer? There is only one way. There is only one answer. There is only one hope. There is only one purpose. There is only one truth. There's only one God and there's only one Spirit. And so when we come to embracing what God's doing, it's not about picking and choosing what I want. It's about saying, Lord, I want everything that you're a part of. I want to pursue that wholeheartedly. I want to pursue that with everything that I've got. If there is an opportunity for me to be part of what you're doing, God, I want to be part of it. Pick me, pick me. I want to be part of it. If there's an opportunity to get prayed for, pick me. I want to be the one that, that receives. I want to be the one that, that gets the word of knowledge or the, the prophetic word. I want to be a part of everything that you want for me, Lord. And so if it's, if it's where you're going, I want to be there. I want to embrace it. I want to engage with it. Sometimes I'll understand why. Sometimes I won't. I have no idea why I mowed my next door neighbor's nature strip. I have no idea what fruit that's going to produce, if any. I don't know. Maybe it was just for me for this morning. And that's all. That's okay. But if God's in it, if God's doing it, then I want to be part of it. And if He says to mow your next door neighbor's lawn, I'll mow it. I'll say, how many times? Just once? Or do you want it, want it mowed twice? Because it, there is only one way. There is only one hope. And we're, if we water it down, we're only cheating ourselves and those that we, we journey with. So I've loaded it up because I'm going to invite you to participate. And I haven't really given you an option, have I? <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. I don't, I don't um, apologize for that. Because part of leading strong is actually being obedient to what God's telling me. And what's God telling me is we need to wake up. And I'm not the only one that is telling that to. There's been confirmation. We need to wake up and see the Sodom and Gomorrah in our world. It's a very, very sad place. People who don't know Christ, who don't know the hope of salvation, are like what Jesus said. There's going to come a day, and they're already living in hopelessness now, but there's going to come a day where Where it's going to get divided. They're not going to know. That's that's for us to to embrace and to wrestle with and to pick up and to run with because God provides. His heart hasn't changed. So I've I've asked a few people just to, to pray for people. And I'd really encourage you, I implore you. It's not about me, it's not even about what I'm saying this morning. But I know Christ is the one way. And I know Christ has more. He has purpose. He has significance for every single person in this room without fail. And if that's the truth, then he wants to release people into that stuff. If there's wrestles going on in your mind going, ah, but what about this? What about that? Get someone to pray for you. If you're going, this is awesome. This is the best message I've heard in a long time. I'm just reminded of what God's already been telling me. Awesome, pray that God will protect that and reinforce that for tomorrow when it gets hard. Wherever you're at, there's an opportunity to pray. There's an opportunity to press in. There's an opportunity to be hungry. If you're sensing God saying, let go and just worship me, do that. But the one thing I would say don't do is not to respond. I'd really encourage you to respond to God this morning because he wants to help us understand to be awakened to be revived into that space of acknowledging one way no compromise no watering down to be either hungry or feasting and i want to just just reiterate sometimes i can come across and i can Uh, Twist things in my own mind, possibly. Maybe you're not hearing that, but it's not about what we do. Sometimes we want to churn up and stir and convince ourselves of something. And yet that's not actually my job, that's the Holy Spirit's job. And so I want to be careful that you're responsive to the Holy Spirit. But again, if you're not hearing anything, what's the response? Anyone guess? Worship. Because if you're not hearing anything, then retreating is not the answer. If you're not hearing anything, it means you're hungry. Like you've got something that, that needs stirring up, that needs so, so trust. Step into that space and trust. If God's telling you things, God's challenging you, if you're feeling like you're being challenged in unhealthy ways, what do you do? you trust, you step into that. If you feel like God's saying amazing things and revealing stuff to you, step into that. Our part is to trust. Our part is to trust, and He provides. I I really don't want this year to be going through the motions. That just, the idea of that sickens me. For me what I'm doing but also for us because God has way more than a happy meal for us a happy meal that doesn't even make you happy so just just seek, be hungry hunger and thirst after righteousness Lord God we just thank you so much that you are a God that does provide Lord we acknowledge that there is only one way Lord, some of us have tried other things. Some of us have tried to juggle you into our own circumstances and squeeze you into what we thought we liked. And yet, Lord, we come this morning and we acknowledge there is only one way. Lord, we don't wanna pick and choose what we eat. Lord, we don't wanna go through the motions and just have the the tick the box sort of mentality, Lord God. Lord, we wanna embrace everything that you have for us. And Lord, right now, I ask your Holy Spirit just to come and release in this place, Lord God. I pray you would release minds who are struggling and wrestling with that, Lord God, who are struggling to let go. Lord, I ask you that we would release minds that are excited and enthusiastic and just need a little bit of encouragement to be bold this morning, Lord. Lord, for those that that aren't sure whether You're the way, Lord God. Lord, I pray You would bring freedom and hope into their lives, Lord God, that right now Your Spirit would just continue to talk and to to move, Father. Lord, we don't wanna be people that say one thing and do another, Father. We wanna be people that are hungry, are thirsty until You've filled us up. And Lord, we know that You are the only one that can fill us. You are the only one that can do that, Lord. So Holy Spirit, we just pray right now that you would just release on your people. You would speak. You would move and you would work, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen.